my power to bring him back to conscious life. Edison, turn on the generator. Produced on a vast scale, Son Frankenstein presents the most fearsome cast in the history of the screen. The Rathbone. In his heart, warm human emotions. In his mind, the monster mania. Karloff, rising from the past to spread new terror. Lugosi, sinister, mysterious, evil, Lionel Atwill, grim hatred in his blood. By heaven, I think you're a worse fiend than your father. Where is this monster? Where is he? I'll stay by your side until you confess. And if you don't, I'll feed you to the villagers. Greetings, booze and ghouls, to another episode of Pop Culture Historians Spooky Edition. If I had the capacity, I'd put like a little like like sound effect, like a reverb there. I don't, but just like imagine it in your heads out there, uh, your <laughs> listeners. High, high quality podcasting. Yeah, it's a theater of the mind. Like you, you know, imagination's <laughs> key. Uh, my name is Ryan Ritter. I got Jimmy McShane on the line. Uh, Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, frankly, I'm really excited about this episode because <laughs> we're we're dipping back in to the Frankenstein franchise back in the uh, back in the old days or back in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, we're smack dab in the middle of our Universal Monster Movie sequel retrospective. Uh, last year, we went through like the Universal Monster Movie Essentials, the classic Dracula, 1931's Frankenstein, uh, all the classics, including Bride of Frankenstein, which I bring up. Because tonight we're going over the third and fourth entries of that classic franchise. Uh, as a little so the only feature. fourth entry we're, we're doing in this particular run of episode. Yeah, I think that's actually kind of an interesting. It's an interesting perspective that we're going to have on these because yeah, we don't normally go this deep in the franchise, and um, I don't want to give away how I feel about these movies yet. But I felt like the pressure was kind of on. With this with this week in particular, um, because Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein were really good movies. They're borderline masterpieces. I know we have kind of our quibbles. I think we can generally agree that they are kind of the. This to me is kind of like the crown jewel franchise, at least for me, amongst the uh, the mega franchise that is the Universal Classic Monsters. So I kind of felt like I, I need this. I need. I, I wanted these. I want these to be good. Right. Uh, yeah. So the pressure is sort of on a little bit here. Uh, so the first one. Here's what we're gonna do. We're going to start with Son of Frankenstein, 1939 Son of Frankenstein. We're going to take a little break, go to the lobby, and we're going to do a little uh, top three Halloween somethings. 
what that is. You're going to find out uh, soon enough. And then we're going to come back in here. We're going to do 1942's Ghost of Frankenstein. Uh, a title that <laughs> well, we'll get there. Um, let's start at the top, Jimmy. Um, 1939, Son of Frankenstein. Bef- we, before we give our input and our general thoughts on this, uh, I'm going to pull our resident movie critic, Leonard Malton, out of his crypt over here. He's not dead. He just sleeps in a crypt. Right, why not? If you could, would you not do the thing? I would. I mean, look, that guy has a lot of thoughts buzzing in his head. He's, he's seen every movie. That, that takes up a lot of space. I think being able to like kind of, kind of like you know, sensory deprive yourself you know, I don't know if that's really a phrase, but you know what I'm talking about. Just like being a being a coffin. Don't have to think about stuff. We're gonna see how he how he felt about Son of Frankenstein in a spooky edition of Lenny's Review Corner. Uh, this is where I pull out my uh, Leonard Malton 2010 movie guide, and we're gonna look it up and uh, hopefully give you a little synopsis of what the movie is about. <laughs> Jimmy, I don't think I've looked at this yet, so I can. I think I can participate. Um, okay. What do you think he gave this out of his out of his patented? I think he's gonna scale? like this one. I think he's gonna yeah. like this one. I think he's going to give it three stars. Ooh, that's exactly what I was gonna go with. So I will go <laughs> next time. You go first. Next time you go first. Yeah, I'll go first for Ghost of Frankenstein, but I think three stars yeah. is a good guess. So just to. three and a half seems too high. Two and a half feels too low. I'm gonna go two and a half. I'll go two and a half. Okay. Uh, it's, it's certainly not a one star or a bomb. I don't think. I'd be very surprised. So some Frankenstein. Do, 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 do. You think I would have had this ready to go, but you would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir. Ding, 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 ding. Winner. Three stars. Third, third, yeah, third in the series after Bride Frankenstein. Find late doctor's son attempting to clear family name by making the monster good, quote unquote. He should live so long. Lavishly made soccer is gripping and eerie, if a bit talky, with wonderfully bizarre sets by Jack Otterson and Lugosi's finest performance as evil, broken-necked blacksmith Igor. Karloff's last appearance as the monster. Look fast for Ward Bond as the constable guarding Castle Frankenstein from angry villagers late in, late in the film. Sequel, I don't know who that is, unfortunately. I don't know either. And he put, he put like a little ask, uh, like an exclamation point next to his name. So uh, if that means Ward Bond, there, what's his Ward name? Bond. Ward Bond. Ward Bond was an American film actor, uh, character well, actor who appeared in more than 200 films and starred in NBC television series Wagon Train. He's best remembered for his role as Bert the Cop in Trank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life and Captain Clayton and John Ford's. Oh, pictures. okay. Yeah. And I'm okay. looking at a picture of him and I recognize him. Um, uh, here we were. Seeing both those movies. Him. Well, yeah, I did not catch him in this movie, at least. Nah, me neither. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this. He's one. a that guy, you for seen, sure. He's a good actor. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's Leonard Malton's opinion. Three stars. But uh, what did we think about *Son of Frankenstein*? Released January thirteenth, nineteen thirty-nine. Directed by Roland V. Lee. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you start us off here? *Son of Frankenstein*. How'd you feel about this? I thought it was great, and I was disappointed by it. Sure. Big shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, the main reason I was disappointed. So going into this, like there is this public image of Frankenstein as like this, like almost zombie, like walking slowly. But when you watch the first two Frankenstein movies, even though he doesn't speak in the first Frankenstein movies, like 
that's not what he is. Like he's a tortured, broken, conflicted character who's going through something. You finally get the opportunity to talk in the second one, but he's you know he's he's a very tragic, sympathetic monster who's mm-hmm. really interesting. Like like Frankenstein is a the monster is a very I do like they address that the fact that um everyone calls him Frankenstein even though it's technically Frankenstein's a monster. Um, yeah, they they addressed that directly, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, but you know the the monster is a legitimately interesting and sympathetic character, which is why we get to this one and now I see where that idea of Frankenstein being the zombie comes from because mm-hmm. that's what he is here. He's his brain he's brain damaged. He can. He just walks like that, like ooh, with his like like very slowly, kind of like he can move, but like he kind mm-hmm. of put his, puts his arms out, right? Right. Which I'm belaboring this because this this is the like I thought the movie was great, honestly. Like I like he's like I said, Leonard Maltin's great. Like the sets were so bizarre, but like it worked somehow. Um, and like Bela Lugosi was great as Igor. He steals the show, but I even think Basil Rath. What's his name? Basil. Uh, ba- ba- Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone is great as what well, like you kind of see him like losing him a bit. Like like Frankenstein was actually great in this movie, I thought. And so there was so much, and so was the inspector. I thought the inspector was incredible in this movie. <sighs> yeah. Uh yeah. Well, let's see. Lionel Atwill. And so yeah. there's so much that I thought this movie did so well, you know. So but it ruined its main character, or the main character of the franchise, I should say. The main character of this movie is definitely Wolf von Frankenstein. But like, yeah. it ruined the monster. This and this this movie not only did it ruin the monster, like it ruined the monster for pop culture. Yeah, it's a good point. This is the most memorable. This is like the portrayal of Frankenstein in this movie is what has become the the way people remember him. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're, yeah, you're right. Um, I do, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to cut you off if you still have stuff, but no, no, that's, that's, that's that, a perfect transition point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I largely agree. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a really, it's a really fine film, maybe a little long. It's about a hundred minutes, which is not, not really all that long, but compared to other universal monster movies, which are usually clocking in at like 61, 65, it's, 70. Yeah. Yeah. Minutes. It's like 20 or 30 minutes longer than any other ones we've watched so far. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if they fully utilize that extra 20 minutes, like the best of their abilities. I do think the movie becomes more patient as a result. Like the whole first hour is like a slow burn and that's not right. usually, so it's, it's different. I don't know if I like it better than like, how Bride of Frankenstein or like even like Dracula or whatever. Um, but I agree. I think Frankenstein's monster is sort of sidelined in his own movie here. I don't think he, I feel like he doesn't have that many memorable moments here. I don't really like his, um, he almost has this, like, this fur pelt that he's wearing. And I know that for some people that, that's like a classic look. Like I've read somewhere on Letterboxd, people are like, this is where he finally dons like his classic look. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think the suit, I think like the, like the black suit is like more of a Frankenstein, like iconic um, look. I don't really like it here. Um, I don't mind the vest, but I agree. I don't mind the, the fur, but I agree that the suit is more classic and iconic. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I just don't think it, I don't know. It doesn't fit him very well. Kind of makes him look a little stocky as opposed to like the suit, which kind of makes him look tall and like angular and all that stuff. Um, 
it's a shame because this is, I guess this is Boris Karloff's last uh, run as Frankenstein. I could have sworn he popped up in an Abbott and Costello movie, but um, I could be wrong about that. It's been a long time since I've seen those. Um, but it's a shame. Again, we're kind of picking on like the one big obvious flaw. I do think this is, it's hard. It's come, It's going up against like a movie that is like shorthand for some of the best movies ever made. Whether we think that is debatable um i'd have to kind of <laughs> assess that but like it's usually on like a short list of like best movies ever made by the frankenstein and so it's 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 impossible to live up to that expectation so you can't have a movie that is really good but like not live up to your expectations and maybe it's not fair to compare it um because it's just it's not possible because there's a lot go- there's a lot to like about this i totally agree with you and with leonard malton i think the sets are great i love I love that staircase and they find so many excuses to like have people like walk up and down it. And I'm glad they do. This this director knew exactly how good that staircase was. You could tell. Yeah. Roland Lee directs the hell out of this movie, which surprised me because we're talking about, we've been talking about like, this is like Boris Karloff's like last run and there's going to be big shoes to fill. And we'll talk about that during Ghost of Frankenstein. James Whale. (laughs) That's a hard act to live up to. He's like this treasured part of old Hollywood. And here comes Roland V. Lee, who was like this, um, yeah, he's in his 40s. He's been in the industry for like 30 years. He's basically been there since like the beginning. And, um, he, you know, he's competent, but like you don't really know if it's like if it's going to like kind of take a step down. And in terms of like just visual shot composition, the movie's beautiful. He totally he totally lives up to like. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, I agree. Which is a major compliment. Um, I agree. I think I think that the directing was fantastic in this movie. And I love that staircase because it's one of those movie things that like if that was a real staircase, it doesn't really have like functionality like i feel like it's like it's like too low to the ground and like it's it's, it's oh, oddly... no, it doesn't make any sense but it looks beautiful on uh, the camera loves it and like that's movie magic right there it's a form of function thing i, I love it i, I I'll, I'll, I'll probably be talking about that staircase uh, a lot here because i really loved it that much <laughs> I, I also agree with you i think bella lugosi is great um i think the inspector is great um, the nice run of like cool, like police constable, like detective characters we've been on here. And I think he's one of the best. I love the, uh, the dead arm thing. I feel like that kind of brings me to my last point. I feel like that might have, was that parodied in young Frankenstein? It's been so, so long. It's been a while since I've seen young Frankenstein, but I felt like I was watching young Frankenstein when I was watching these two movies. Yes. Like, it's it's very clear. I mean, like, the Young Frankenstein definitely took some stuff from the first two Frankensteins, but, like, it's very clear that this run of Frankenstein movies was, like, the the bigger inspiration for Mel Brooks and Young Frankenstein. I completely agree. I felt the same way. Um, I'm not even sure what it is I'm referencing. It's just kind of, like, the tone. I, I know there's, like, a whole scene. Well, the tone, well, yeah. Also, the, the actual story of Young Frankenstein, right? Like, he's a descendant of Frankenstein who's ashamed of his ancestry and of course in the, this movie he wants to defend it whereas in the young frankenstein movie he wants to ignore it but it's still right. the same setup he goes to the castle for i forgot why it's been too long since i've seen it he goes to the castle and decides to just recreate his ancestor's work right i mean like the plot of young frankenstein is the same as at least the the base plot. You know, it's the setup, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the setup is the same as as Son of Frankenstein here. Yeah, no, I think that's dead on. And they, if I'm not mistaken, they even do the brain switching thing in Young Frankenstein that they do in Ghost of Frankenstein. Yeah, it's all that like Abby normal stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's 
Yeah, that's a yeah. It's a great it's a great movie, and a lot of its DNA is like found right here. Like obviously, like it parody stuff that's like from Bride of Frankenstein and Regular Frankenstein. Like I think they do like a scene with like a little girl. They definitely parody like the blind man scene. But yeah, I feel like tone wise yeah. and plot wise, it comes from this and the Ghost of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I I didn't think that they had dug that deep, but they he, Mel Brooks was on record going the first four movies formed the basis of like our parody movie. <laughs> So, that makes sense. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know where we want to branch off from here. I guess we can talk about Bella Lugosi here if we want to, because it's a new. Is this a new character? There, there were Igor's yes. before, right? This was just no, like a different it was, Igor. No, it was Fritz before. Ah, uh, yes, of course, Fritz. But basically, I it seems to me like Fritz and Igor have kind of been like combined into the same character via the public consciousness a bit yeah this is the way it seems to me because people Um, know the igor name but like the igor actions and stuff is more like what fritz does i don't know if that makes any sense but yeah it does i agree um but he he's great um lugosi again kind of has a complicated history with um in terms of his career and kind of how he responded to the possibility of being typecast like he only did Dracula like twice. He's not someone who like <laughs> like did a hundred of these things. But um, it, technically, I think he's done Igor just as much as he's done Dracula, which is really interesting because people don't really more. talk about. Yeah, more, more right? Or did he did he show up as Dracula again later? on? I think he showed up as Dracula in like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein or something. It's one of those weird yeah. ones where like he shows up as like a as like a celebrity get. <laughs> it's been, again, it's been so long since I've seen this. But uh, yeah, technically speaking, in terms of like straight, straight movies, um, yeah, he's more Igor than he is Dracula. But he is great, and in a way, as someone who I think was kind of overshadowed a lot by Boris Karloff, I think it's weirdly fitting and touching in kind of a weird way that like he kind of gets like his best moment opposite Boris Karloff a lot here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think he's really great. I think it shows. I think it shows off what makes him engaging. He's a, he's a very strange presence on screen. He's a very weird man. I mean that. I mean that in a sense of love. And I think um, that's that kind of weird energy and this kind of uh, there's a broken English quality to his um, to his voice. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. But I think it also kind of is very compelling because like I feel like you're kind of hanging on his every word, even when it's kind of not always the most engaging dialogue. I don't know if all of his lines are like home runs, but like he makes them interesting. Um, and yeah. I, I enjoyed watching him. I agree. I think you, you kind of, he, he was always interesting to watch even when he was giving like stuffy exposition. And that's not an easy thing to do. Oh. Um, and so, and you, you talk with broken English, but it's more than just that. Like Igor, especially in Son of Frankenstein, I don't think they necessarily kept up with it in Ghost of Frankenstein. But in Son of Frankenstein, he had a very, like, specific speech pattern. Yeah. That, that well, I mean, it added a lot to the character. And they didn't necessarily, in my opinion, like I said, they didn't keep up with that speech. His speech pattern was different in Ghost of Frankenstein for no real reason. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, but the speech pattern in Son of Frankenstein, it, it added to the character. It, I think one of these movies had a much better script than the other one. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I would, I, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's telling that um, Karloff doesn't go back for Ghost of Frankenstein, but uh, look at what he does. And it's not like, mm-hmm. like I don't think Car- Karloff, I don't, I don't get the impression Karloff was fired or anything. I think he was just kind of done. Um, Which, you think- know, I mean, I, I I can see why too, because like, there, if Frankenstein became kind of, or the monster became kind of a nothing role a little bit. Agreed. And I actually think that's something that Ghost of Frankenstein actually has. And we'll talk about Ghost of Frankenstein, obviously. But it is one thing that Ghost of Frankenstein maybe has over Son of Frankenstein and that the monster is like front and center again. This is more a story about, this is more a story about Wolf, uh, is his name Wolf Frankenstein? Is that, is Wolf that von Frankenstein, yes. Wolf von Frankenstein and Igor. A hilarious yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wolf von Frankenstein. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have a deeper point than that. I just... Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it is. This movie is more about the son of Frankenstein, um, which, you know, I, I I do like they make the the note that the monster could also be argued as the son of Frankenstein, as the brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also as a brother, yeah. Wolf von Frankenstein also has a son here, and this also brings to me to my second major issue with the movie. Uh huh. We talked about the first one being that it ruined the the monster character which i think is a pretty big sin like to the point where like it takes what should be a great movie and kind of like lessens it for me Fair i enough. didn't like the i didn't like the ending that much and i mean yeah. like i thought like everything was great up to when wolf von frankenstein um confronts igor and shoots him kills mm-hmm. him in air quotes that was a really tense scene that was great and then Frankenstein, the, the monster, goes and kidnaps his kid. And it's like, okay, is he, you know, exactly why is he kidnapping him? You know, I wasn't sure if he just wanted a friend or if he wanted revenge. I wasn't sure what was going through the monster's mind because he was brain damaged in this movie. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, so that's kind of like a flaw, but it's still tense because I'm thinking like this movie has been setting up a tragedy. That's, mm-hmm. that's what my thought was. Like it had the, the, the tropes and arcs of a tragedy. And the thing about a tragedy is, you know, the ending's going to be sad, but that's what causes tension. Yeah. Um, knowing what's going to happen isn't always a bad thing. Right. Yeah. So you're like, okay, wife's dead or the kid's dead or both. Like someone, you know, there's going to be some kind of tragedy here for Wolf on Frankenstein and kind of deservedly so because he brought the monster back to life with this guy he knew he couldn't trust because the first thing Igor does when he sees Wolf is try to kill him. Uh, and right. so the dude's clearly shady, but the dude, he, he lets his ambition for his family name and, and arrogance to think he can outdo his father um, kind of take over. So like, and people die because he did this. And so I do think the tragedy was earned as well. Mm-hmm. And so for this to have a completely happy ending for Wolf on Frankenstein did not feel earned. You know what? That's a good point. And he, can't, he almost gets like an action hero moment at the end. He, like he, he does. Like, he, he, swings he swings in on a rope and, and like kicks. Kills, <laughs> kills a monster again in air quotations. Right. Um, yeah. Right, yeah. He gets, he gets the big hero moment. You know, of course, Inspector's there trying to save his kid, which is, you know, in character for the inspector and, and good of them. But yeah, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, you're right. He gets the hero moment. He swings in. He, he kills the monster. 
and you just go home. Like, all right, bye. Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought you were gonna say that the uh, the kid was annoying, which I would have agreed with. Although, <laughs> although I also think he's a very realistic portrayal of like what uh, a, a kid can be like sometimes. Like, yeah, I don't mind the kid being a little annoying. He wasn't in the movie that much, and like, I don't know. Yeah, it was one of those simultaneously. Like, he would read a line. And I'm like, that's a really annoying line read. But also, he sounds like a kid to me. So, like, yeah. maybe it was maybe it was actually like a good line reading. I don't know. <laughs> I. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. He was like the the stuff they were giving him to do was stuff kids do, but he was mm-hmm. hamming. He was hamming it up. Like it wasn't yeah. a good line read. It was just he was he was just a little kid in the. I don't know. He was a little kid in the movie. Like yeah. sometimes, sometimes hey, kid actors yeah. like they 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 play up to the camera because that's what they do. You know what I mean? Like it's hard. Yeah. To... They, they go for big emotion rather than yeah. like subtlety because they're kids, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm, I'm, the kid wasn't good in it, but he fulfilled his role in the plot just fine. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I think that, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, but yeah, I don't think I really thought about that ending, um, but you're right. It is sort of, <clears throat> Because Frankenstein movies aren't really known for like their happy endings. Like yeah, I'm still I'm still recovering from like the kick in the gut that Bride of Frankenstein is. Like that's such like a sad, like almost mean ending. Like it ends with him mm-hmm. they finally build him a girlfriend and she fucking hates him and is scared of him, so he kills himself. The end. That and everyone, yeah. He's just like yeah. fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's the, the, the Frankenstein movies up to this point can be kind of subversive i mean again like he's the first movie is famous for him like accidentally drowning like a kid and there's like that really sad scene where like the father's like carrying the body and stuff like it's all mm-hmm. very it's even hard it's kind of hard to talk about it's like a movie's like 90 years old <laughs> yeah and, so i think a happy ending here is yeah i think you're right i think it's a little not that like there are any rules about what movies should be but it feels a little unsatisfying maybe like not true to like the series that we're watching or the movie that we've been watching up to that point i think you're right i hadn't really thought about that but it's a little betrayal is such a strong word and that's an over that's an overreaction but it does cop kind out. of it was a cop, cop out. out i'm sorry cop out that's, yeah that's that's how i felt there was a little bit of a cop out and it's you know it wasn't enough of a bad ending to where like it ruined the movie for me but it it didn't feel dramatically satisfying to see no negative consequences for any of Wolf's actions here. I just thought I mean, it, I mean for him, for him. There were negative consequences for the whole village and town. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of brings to another reason why the ending doesn't really work. Cause like there's like this big thread. I think it's a an interesting thread to play about like the village, the town itself is—it's almost like a character in this movie, you know. It's like New York mm-hmm. City, baby. But um, but like the the townsfolk and like the burgomaster or like the whole time are going like, "Hey, the Frankenstein's are back in town. What are we gonna do about this?" You know, he's gonna like just resurrect that monster, which is exactly what happens. Like everything yeah. that the villagers fear <laughs> happens exactly. And then yeah. they cheer him when they cheer him at the end. <laughs> they're well, like, "Yay!" Yeah, because and, and he's leaving, but... he gives up his castle to them. He's like, "Here, you guys have it. Whatever." But I'd be um, like, no, arrest him. Like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Like it just some someone decided this movie needed a happy ending. And maybe that's why it became and maybe that's part of the reason why it was so successful, right? Because this movie was so successful at the box office that it launched a whole second wave of universal monster movies. 
right? Yeah. This whole this whole podcast series we're doing right now is because this movie was successful. No, you're dead right. In fact, is, they had stopped making the monster movies for a couple of years after Dragon right, yeah, Ball, which we talked yeah, about they, a couple weeks ago. They just kind of stopped doing them for a while. Yeah, they did Briar Frankenstein, the Dracula's Daughter, and like you said, yeah, they they just put a hold on them for a couple of years. And, we like about those movies, so I'm not yeah, exactly sure I thought, why. I thought, I thought Dracula's Daughter was great, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, pe- uh, maybe people just weren't ready for a movie like that. I mean, it is a little subversive for... I think, so we're, was, I think, so I think we're in the Hays Code era by now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so they, they put a pause on it, and they decided to try again with this movie, and people loved it. And it was just super successful to the point where, like, it's arguably more impactful to the Frankenstein pop culture image than the first two. Arguably, mm-hmm. um, it won't surprise you, by the way, to hear that uh, there were there were significant script issues to the point where um, Roland Lee actually uh, shut the movie down for a couple weeks because he's like, "We got it. We got to fix the screenplay." And it was one of those situations where they were writing new scenes, like and handing it to the actors like minutes before they were filming. Oh, geez. so there's a, there's a little chaos with the script, and I think you've picked up on <laughs> the consequences of that a little bit. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Like they kind of were, kind of shaping this as they were going, and I think you can kind of feel that. I think that might be why the movie is longer than the other ones. It's not as tight. Not I mean, tight. yeah, yeah. Bride of Frankenstein is like a hammer, you know what I mean? And this is mm-hmm. kind of like a, it's kind of like a long stroll to the woods or something. That's, I'm mixing metaphors, but um, there's a lot of setup in the beginning. It's good setup, and it's it's pretty to look at, but you have to wonder like if. You could find 10 minutes or so to like cut out of this and make it um, just a bit more succinct, maybe. Right. Or like my, my thought initially afterwards was like I wanted, I wanted more of a third act that was just about Frankenstein's monster. Like I, I maybe, thought they were holding back on him for a reason. Yeah. Like they're going to let him loose in the last half hour. Right. And maybe with like we see his brain damage wasn't so severe. Maybe he's, or his brain started healing or something. You know, some bullshit that like makes the right. character interesting again. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. I, I, again, it just kind of felt like they never, they never really nailed down what they wanted this to be. So in a sense, it's actually kind of an achievement because with all that, I mean, usually when you're like writing a movie as you're going, like I think Jurassic Park three was one of those. And like that movie, like, <laughs> fucking sucks you know yeah. I, and so mm-hmm. the fact that this is watchable and in fact even pretty good is sort of a miracle uh given those circumstances yeah um, it is it is um do we want to talk about lionel atwell a little bit as the uh, inspector inspector crow sure let's talk crow, about him. crew yeah mm. uh again i love the design and the concept of this character i think again kind of drives home this idea of like this village that's been decimated by the Frankensteins. Um, you know, his arm is like, I don't know. I don't remember what it's made out of, but it's, it's completely fake because he lost his arm because Frankenstein pulled it off, which made me wonder, like, was this something we saw in a previous Frankenstein? I wondered that too, but I don't think so. And of course, something so to keep in mind is that Frankenstein's been alive. The monster's been alive, kind of terrorizing the countryside at Igor's behest for... Mm-hmm. For a couple of decades now. That's fair. Yeah, that's right. There's there's a significant time jump between Bride of Frankenstein and uh, Son of Frankenstein. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a good point. But I think it kind of sells that um here's the real damage that 
your dad kind of brought on us and like i guess technically your brother i guess you know wolf mm-hmm. we talked about this but he considers the monster kind of like his brother which makes sense i to a certain degree yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and i think i've said this before but i kind of feel like that also means the monster's last name is frankenstein so calling him the monster frankenstein is a valid thing to do so that's uh yeah yeah, I get to, yeah, I get to yell about this one more time. Um, <laughs> stop stop being scolds about this. We all know what we're talking about. No, it's actually the doctor. Shut up. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, and 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 rant. Uh yeah, but I think I think he I think he plays the the role really well. I think he's um intimidating. He's almost kind of scary. I mean, I found him a little scary sometimes, which is a new color for like these kind of police characters. Mm-hmm. Um yeah he was because he did the the hitchcock thing which before hitchcock did it but he did a hitchcock thing where like the main character is a criminal which makes the police officer scary yeah because it's like he, he he he's and again he's validated like what's the i mean wolf von frankenstein shows up and he's like i'm not gonna become like my father and like he immediately starts going like i gotta resurrect this uh I as soon as he gets his father's notes, he's like, right. yeah. And of course, this whole thing was like, oh, he, my dad's misunderstood because Fritz put the wrong brain in the in the monster. Right. <clears throat> Which is a concept that will get picked back up in the next movie. Um, yeah. And you know what? I know that I don't know how everyone feels about like that motivation. I don't know if people feel like that he turned too quickly, but um. I get the idea of going like I recognize like my parent or like my father was a flawed man, but what if I could kind of validate him from <laughs> you know from from the grave? Like what I don't know. I I think that I I buy that as a motivation for him to kind of like turn on a dime and like start start fucking with the monster again. I do in too. my opinion. I do too. It will and it 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 was the driving force of the movie, and I also liked. You know, you couldn't tell anyone. He couldn't tell what his wife was doing. And he knew what he was doing was kind of weird. But I liked how obsessive he was. Like, the more we got to know his character, the more it made sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was a bit weird and obsessive. And and so, it, yeah. yeah, it made sense as a, it felt in character as we got to know him. Yeah, we should talk a little bit since we're talking about, um, Everything's flowing together so nicely. Since we're talking about Wolf on Frames, I'm stuck a little bit about Basil Rathbone, who's sort of a sort of a uh, English acting legend. Um, he'd already done like a bunch of like he's kind of known for villain roles up to this point. I don't know about further on in his career, but like you know, he did a lot of Shakespeare. He was like Tybalt in like the 30s, Romeo and Juliet. Um, he did stuff like Robin Hood. Um, but he also played uh, Sherlock Holmes, so he can kind of do a little bit of everything. He did like the Sherlock Holmes series, like in the not series, a series of movies in the forties and stuff. So a lot of versatility. But yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was really compelling. I think they again, I think he sells this crucial turn that happens in like the first act, quote unquote, of this movie. I mean, we already talked about all that, but I thought I'd officially shout him out. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. Um. Yeah, I don't know if you have any other notes about uh, Son of Frankenstein or uh, anything you wanted to point out, but we we can rate this thing. We're kind of up at, we're right at the 30 minute mark here, I think. Okay, let's do it. Because I think, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to say. Um, If if you think of it, I mean, Ghost of Frankenstein is like a direct sequel to the point where I almost like, there's some parts I'm kind of confusing sometimes, so. 
uh, there'll be space, I think. Um, the b- 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 Leonard Malton rated this out of four stars. Now we are going to rate this out of 10, 10 somethings. Don't know what yet, but we're going to find out immediately. I guess I go first, huh? Mm-hmm. I want to go high on this. I feel like I gave Bride of Frankenstein probably like a nine or like a 9.5. I don't know if I've given anything a 10 on this show yet. Um, I don't know. If, maybe I never will. I don't know. I don't know what a 10 out of 10 would look like, <laughs> but um, probably give it like a nine or nine and a half. So this is not quite as good. I still think it's strong. It's one of the stronger movies we've done uh, to some degree. I'm going to be aiming high here. I think I'm going to do eight bubbling sulfur pits out of 10. Nice, nice. Um, I think I think I'll give seven and a half. Um, That's fair. Yeah, it just, it, I don't know, because it's weird. Like, the monster being brain dead isn't actually a problem with the with within the confines of the movie, does that make any sense? Yeah, I like get him it. being brain dead contributes to the plot because it allows Igor to be the real villain and and manipulate him, and it sets up a conflict. It's just the monster brain dead being brain dead, um, kind of ruined <laughs> ruined the character a little bit, and so it's it's weird. So I'm 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 cutting it down a little bit for. Things that like, like when you look at the movie in a vacuum, things that aren't a problem, but the movie within the broader context, I do think it is an issue. Yeah, I get it. It's one of those things where it's like, it probably works for this movie, but like the course never got corrected after this. (laughs) It didn't seem to anyway. So yeah, I'm with, I'm with you there. Um, Yeah, but still a strong score, seven and a half and an eight. So, uh, Plenty to be proud of there for Roland Lee and crew. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to Boris Karloff, but we will be revisiting Bela Lugosi very shortly. But first, I need to I need to get out and stretch my legs a little bit. Sorry, before we uh, so is this the last time Boris Karloff does one of these Universal movies? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, maybe I'm going to pull it up real quick. Hold on. I guess I don't know that I don't know that he plays other things. I tend to get them confused because, again, they all kind of, like, start jumping around and playing different characters and stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Come on, baby. Oh, here we go. Let's see. He does return as, well, I mean, the movie's named after him, but 1949, Abbott and Casilla meet the killer, Boris Karloff. He's like a swami. Uh, he, I, uh, I take it back. He does show back up. We're not going to be revealing it this, this year, but House of Frankenstein, he shows up as a, as a, a doctor. He's not, um, not Frankenstein himself. So it must be like the fifth one, probably. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so couple more but yeah this is kind of it well he, he didn't really i mean the makeup just kind of the, the the wear and tear of like having to put the makeup on and all this stuff just just started wearing on him and i i sort of get that so yeah, that was, yeah. This is no this i is get it too. mostly it yeah okay i get why he left the role after this movie i do i mean like yeah because if the makeup's difficult and all you're doing is walking around and grunting like it's a waste of the talent yeah agreed it's a shame because I, I I wish I wish he had gone out with a more exciting role, but Me too. it's it's okay. Um, 
I need to get up and walk around a little bit. So uh, I guess I'll meet you in the lobby and we'll break down. Uh, we'll do our intermission special. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. All right. See you, see you all there in a second. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Here we are in the lobby. Um sitting around uh, trying to avoid a pack of uh, mean teenagers who I think are going <laughs> to be mean to us. So, uh, But we'll, we'll very quietly over here uh, rank our top three Halloween commercials. How does that sound, Jimmy? Yeah, works for me. Cool. And uh, we never really discussed parameters. I think that they're a little subjective. I know for me, I kind of stuck to, because there's so many Halloween commercials all, going all the way back to like the 60s and 70s. Try to stick to ones that I, I've actually like remember seeing on TV. So a lot of mine are gonna aim like my formative years of like ninety seven to like two thousand eight in that kind of general area. So uh, expect stuff like that. Doesn't mean that they're the best; they're just my favorite. Yeah. So this, I thought this was gonna be easier for me than it was, and I was Great. trying to think back to like Halloween commercial I re- I remembered. <laughs> it took me a while, and I think part of the problem was this: as soon as like dvrs and tivo become a thing my my dad went for them and yep. so i i stopped watching commercials at a certain point like i actually i started watching commercials again because i have to on youtube a little bit and like different things but like i i realized like a lot of these commercials i haven't i haven't seen so mine this might, my my list might feel a little weak um but no it's it's all good man you know and um I also realized, because I think if this was, like, a Christmas uh, commercial list, I feel like I had, like, 25 that come to mind, and my problem would be paring it down. I think part of it is that my theory, it might be a weak theory, but um, we're so often still in school around Halloween, but Christmas, we're usually off, and we're home, and we only watch more TV when we're when we were kids. That's So I think I, had, I, think I just have more Christmas commercials in my head than Halloween, because I was not home during the day. That's the thing. Um, Christmas yeah. is a bigger holiday as far as TV commercials and stuff like that. Like we get into Halloween a lot, but it's kind of not the same level as Christmas. It really isn't. And in fact, we should start thinking about doing some sort of Christmas thing so we can do the Christmas versions of a lot of these lists. I think that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a that's a discussion for another time. So I guess stay tuned. <laughs> maybe uh, who wants to go first? I feel like why don't you go first? Okay, this one I don't know if it counts. But yeah. it's actually the first thing I thought of when I thought of Halloween commercials. Beautiful. Um, and it's really just one line that made it so memorable. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about now, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. The screen just... commercials were so incredibly good for the first screen movie. What's your favorite scary movie? And I know maybe this doesn't count as a Halloween commercial, but it's a Halloween movie. You saw it a lot in October because I believe that's when it came out. At least that's my memory of it. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. it was like they just kept showing that like commercial where like 
Drew Barrymore is getting murdered. Um, not literally. So, I mean, she does get yeah. murdered, but like, no, she, but yeah, like, she definitely gets murdered. But yeah, but no, like no. that that phone, the way they edit that that trailer with that phone call and like, you know, that one line. I don't know what it is about that line that made it so memorable and like stick with you and make you want to go see that movie. But it did. And yeah, so, and you know the movie holds up. By the way, we just watched it uh, recently, and um, I don't know. I feel like it's a movie that could have gotten annoying over the course of time, but it's not. <laughs> it, it totally holds up. There's so many sequels. I don't know if any of them are any good, but um, maybe that's what we do one year. But it could be fun. Although I will tell you, it's interesting to me that it is because it's so specific to. I feel like the original trilogy is like so specific, to, like '90s culture, and like the fact that they're still making them, and like I think like younger generations like are genuinely into them like stream six is like a big hit and it has like jenna ortega and all these like younger stars and you wouldn't think it would translate because it's so specifically like 90s and like getting all like getting nev campbell and like (laughs) all these people who were like hot in the 90s you wouldn't think it would translate all these years later but it is i think that's fascinating it is it is interesting yeah, no, that, I think that counts. I think that totally right. counts. Um, Good. Go I did, yeah. <laughs> I didn't go for trailers and stuff, only because I think that I could have just ended up loading this all up with trailers. But um, I think that those, I think commercials for scary movies definitely count. That's a big part of Halloween. Um, my number three, I do have a runner up. It's a little, bef- it's a slightly before my time. I was alive. I don't remember seeing this, but I do think it kind of ties in nicely with like our series. It's a, it's a Doritos commercial from like 92 or 93 and it stars Frankenstein kind of walking down a, uh, uh, it's like a suburban neighborhood and he's holding up like this giant Pepsi truck over his head and, uh, he gets up to a door, he rings the doorbell and Dracula opens it up and Frankenstein is showing up to a party and he has like these Doritos and like Pepsi, uh, cans that he stole off this truck and, uh, Dracula just goes, what? No dip. And Frankenstein's like, ugh. <laughs> I do remember this movie. I do remember this commercial on this thing. Yeah, I feel like I didn't grow up with it, but it felt it felt thematically relevant. So I thought I'd throw that on there. Yeah, what? Well, no dip. Um, <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> my number three. This is one that I had to search for, and I got my. I, I, it triggered like a, a bell when I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this." Um, it's a little later for Simpsons. It's it a 2001 commercial for Burger King. Um, I guess the this was back when Burger King had like their big kids meal and they were selling all these like cool like Simpsons Halloween toys. Like there's like you know, little figures and like little things. Like there's like a, the one with Bart and like a, uh, uh, like a tombstone like flips around and says something, something rude, no doubt, because of that rascally Bart Simpson. But the commercial <laughs> itself, they're selling like a black cherry, like slushy or something. And uh, they're all up in the treehouse, Millhouse, Lisa and Bart. And they're talking about like, oh, like uh, the Millhouse, your tongue is black because of this black cherry uh, soda or whatever. And, uh, you know, Homer, like, he wants to get in on that. And, uh, you know, hijinks and soup. But I think as a uh, as a kid, it was always exciting to see. Uh, this is when like IP crossing over into like other IP was like really exciting. So it's like, whoa, Simpsons are eating Burger King. <laughs> like, it's, it's very, very, <laughs> they're just like us. I, 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 
I remember this commercial. I remember those toys. And um, yeah, it, it, it brought back memories of like, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a time gone by. And I think that's the power of uh, even stupid Halloween commercials or ones that are kind of just... <laughs> What if, what if this, what if Bart Simpson was eating a Whopper? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, fair enough. I, I don't remember that commercial, but I get what you're saying. Like, especially because when you're a kid, you see the same commercials over and over again, right? Exactly. And even if at the time you find them super annoying, when you look back, it's kind of like charming and you, you, and nostalgic. Um, it's like Space Jam. I mean, it's, a, it's, Space Jam is like a very corporately, developed movie it's like what if we put michael jordan in with the looney tunes and then they sold a bunch of products but as a kid you don't care about any of that and you can still kind of see it through a kid's eyes and go ah yeah it's cool it is like it's michael jordan playing basketball with the looney tunes that's all i need i agree which is also why it's weird to see a bunch of adults get upset about lebron james yeah it's like what are you getting upset about yeah they're ruining it (laughs) (laughs) what's your number two my number two is a Fruity Pebbles commercial. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is back when um, Fred and Barney of the Flintstones fame were, well, I guess they're still on the cover of Fruity Pebbles, huh? Uh, but this is yes, back when, they, yeah. they used to be like a bunch of ads. Like they really pushed like the, the Fred and Barney Fruity Pebbles thing. Now they're just on there, but I, I don't know if I've seen an ad in a real long time. Yeah, I get, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And so like, for the reason... Fred is going to a haunted castle to eat fruity pebbles. <laughs> don't, don't question it. Just, it goes I, with I, it. I remember this well. Yeah. You remember? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do. So like, I do. Barney sneaks in in a ghost costume and scares Fred into giving up his fruity pebbles. And then Fred's like, wait a minute. You're just Barney and pulls off the ghost costume to reveal a skeleton. <laughs> and Fred runs away. And then like Barney pulls off a mask and reveals that he was Barney underneath it all. I may be stranded, but at least I got my fruity pebbles. Fruity. A ghost. Only a fruity pebbles can set my spirit free. My fruity pebbles? Okay. okay. Mmm, frighteningly fruity flavors. Thanks, Fred. Barney. Boo. Yeah. Bon appetit. <laughs> Most fruity pebbles cereal part of this complete breakfast. He just uh, outwitted Fred again. Yeah, it's a pretty nasty way to treat your friend, by the way, Barney. <laughs> um, this is weirdly antagonistic relationship they have that only exists in Fruity Pebbles commercials. I know. <laughs> I don't. I don't quite understand. I mean, it's funny, and we all went with it, but it's it's this isn't how they act on the actual Flintstones. <laughs> no, like, it's not. <laughs> Barney's not trying to eat his food all the time. Uh, but free yeah. bubbles are so good, they ruin friendships. Is the <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's worth ending. It's worth ending relationships over. Freddie Pebbles. Um, yeah, that's a classic. I remember that earring quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think I think longevity goes a long way to like a memorable Halloween commercial. I think sometimes you see ones that kind of air for years and years and years. It takes me to my number two. It's a Reese's peanut butter cup commercial. That you probably remember. Uh, probably a lot of other people out there remember too. It's, it's very short. It's like 15 seconds. And it starts with like someone asked, like, like the screen has a question up there. And a voiceover artist reads, the, uh, reads the, the, the question. It's like, how does the count eat his Reese's? 
then you hear like Dracula again via voiceover go. I like to eat the peanut butter first. And then like the 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 darkness kind of recedes, and uh, you see uh, this uh, this this. Reese's peanut butter cup with like two fang holes right in the middle, and then Dracula starts going like ha 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 ha, and it says like there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's, um, which is a famous uh, campaign at the time, and I think they did a whole lot of um, variations on it. But that one always stuck with me because it's a it's a little creepy. It is shot in darkness. It's not it's this is not like a wacky count. I mean, he's eating chocolate and stuff. So I guess he's not like. <laughs> he's not drinking blood, but like, this is not like a cartoon version of the vamp, of the, the the famous vampire. He he's serious. He likes to suck out all the uh, peanut butter. He knows this is kind of disturbing. And the 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 the, the commercial is very simple. It, it aired like for, it ran forever. I remember see, they, I was surprised to hear the year this came out was 1990 because I remember seeing it when I was uh, yeah I remember this was seven well. or eight. <laughs> yeah, maybe nine. So this ran forever and ever and ever. Probably because it was cheap to put together. <laughs> Right, and effective, right? It was it's a memorable commercial. Yep. That's how you remember, oh, it's Halloween time. Here comes the count, the peanut butter 11 count. That's my number two. All we have left are our number ones. Jimmy. Well, in fact, uh, you've already described my number one. No. Uh, yeah, the I love that Frankenstein commercial with the Pepsi truck. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, I, you know, I, I like, I also, you know, honorable mention to like, I, I couldn't think of a single one of these, but I know I've seen tons of them where like, it's with a bunch of adults and they're doing something and then they get spooky and scared by something only to reveal it was just like a kid all like in a costume all along. You know oh, sure. About? Sure. Sure. sure I, yeah. I, I couldn't actually think of a single one. So I, I, I couldn't go with that one. Uh, but yeah, ultimately this, this one, because it's like, it's like you, you're taking these classic Halloween monsters and putting them in a modern setting and giving them mundane human problems. And I don't know, it just works for me. Yeah, and again, uh, Count, Dracula's a little bit of a dick here. How about a little bit dick here, But it's, it's in character, and that shit happening to Frankenstein, it's in character, right? Like, <laughs> Frankenstein point. is such a, like, a, a sad, sad character that like, it makes sense he would like, carry this huge truck and then like they'd be disappointed with what he brought yeah i don't know like he needs better friends no well that's a solid choice and uh as it turns out you've already described my number one i also went for the fruity pebbles commercial oh, really? <laughs> yeah i love that ad i you know um i think it's the same reason i like that simpsons one it's just fun to see cartoon characters Look, kids are easy marks. If you have our favorite cartoon characters sell us products, I mean, I wanted to have Fruity Pebbles uh, over my mom's dead body. I don't think I got to have that for a long time. But, um, you know, they made, made, they made Fruity Pebbles look like it was worth fighting for. Um, <laughs> Barney, loved, Barney loved it. He did. He, it's of Fred, but not enough to risk his life, I guess. So, I don't know. But... And you, you, make, yeah, you make a good point. Like, why is he in that castle outside of, like, it's a Halloween <laughs> ad. But... <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't live there is this is this still in like the uh you know the the dinosaur age like did they have castles back then i don't i don't really think so um so that's a little confusing but it's classic um it's bright it's colorful good enough for me that's my number one 
<laughs> it's so funny how we had all this crossover. Uh, I'm not surprised because like what we grew up around the same time. We probably saw the, the same commercials. Probably stuck with us. I don't know. That's true. That's true. Well, uh, speaking of Frankenstein, we got one more Frankenstein movie to uh, knock out here, and uh, uh, it looks like it's starting right now. So we should probably sneak back in here. Uh, let me get my fruity pebbles. Uh, hold up, Barney. Come on, give me back my fruity pebbles. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, I'll take care of this, and uh, you save my seat, and uh, we'll, okay, uh, we'll watch Ghost of Frankenstein, yeah. All right. There's a curse on our village. The curse of Frankenstein. of man, the monster of Frankenstein, stalks again. Here is drama completely strange, full of weird suspense. With this great cast, Sir Cedric Hardwick, Lionel Atwill, Ralph Bellamy, Bela Lugosi, Evelyn Ankers, Lon Chaney, in the gripping tale of a monster the tomb cannot engulf, chains cannot hold. You're going to give him life? Yes. Not for the purposes that you think, Igor. I'm giving him another brain. Is that your shower, husband? Yes, yes. Frankenstein came out March 13th, 1942, directed by Earl C. Kenton. Earl spelled E R L E. Starring Bela Lugosi and not Boris Karloff this time. Uh, we got Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, taking on his fourth, fourth universal monster role. Is, um, he is, is he Invisible Man at some point, by the way? I don't know, but if he if he isn't, that would be like the one Infinity Stone he didn't get. Um, right. If, if he well, doesn't. We know he's not creature, right? So yeah, he's not that. the creature, so he didn't get that. But, but he, yeah. got, he got four out of the other ones, other franchises. Yeah, he was the a wolf man. He was a uh, Dracula. We didn't really like that too much. He was okay in the mummy. Then we got Frankenstein. Uh, we'll talk about how we felt about this forequel. Uh, the close out, not close out, but at least complete the quadrilogy we'll be doing uh, up to this point. But quickly. Uh, I pull up the 2010 movie guide and do a second edition of Lenny's Film Corner. Spooky edition. Uh, I guess I'll pick this time. I feel like he's less high on this. I feel like it's, I feel like a two and a half. I'll go with the two. I think he, I agree. I think he's gonna be less high. Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost of Frankenstein. Come on, brother. Where you at? Here we go. Oh. Two and a half. 
Look at that. We both we both won. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, sequel to Son of Frankenstein. Igor tries to convince Dr. Frankenstein, the sign played by Cedric Hardwick, to put his brain into the monster. Good cast manages to save stale plot, followed by Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Ah, maybe, maybe we're not so done with Frankenstein after all. Stay tuned on that. Uh, pretty pretty brief synopsis there. Um, he cuts to the point of it. Um, two and a half out of four. Thought it was okay. Uh, I guess I can. I guess I can start on general yeah, go general for it. thoughts. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I, again, it's, it's, it's in the shadow of uh, two and a half great movies. I think it's fair to say, um, Son of Frankenstein has its flaws, but it's a pretty good movie. So I think eventually when you keep making more, you start, you start hitting a point of diminishing returns. I think we've kind of reached it here. There's, uh, there's, there are good performances. I actually thought Cheney Jr. was pretty good as Frankenstein and he had massive shoes to fill, but I think he does okay here. Um, Lugosi is as good as always as Igor. I, there's just a lot of, I don't know, parts of it felt like I like dreamed it a little bit. Like when they cut to like, all right, let's go find this the second son of Frankenstein that we've never heard of before. Uh, it's just like a very classic like sequel <laughs> move. Who's somehow that, older than the previous son. That didn't make any sense to me. Um <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's oh it's it's okay, and it, it's it's a shame because these movies have not have been better than okay all the way up to this point. So you can't help but feel a little disappointed. Um, I don't know that Ghost of Frankenstein even really makes all that much sense as a title. It's provocative, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Son of Son of Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are like the only titles we've had that have been any decent. Any decent yeah, movies. I know. It, this is along the lines of like the Mummy and. I guess Daughter of Dracula was also pretty good. Yeah, too, that was pretty. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty straightforward. Right. I don't know. There was just there's just kind of some goofy stuff. I for, I could tell the movie wasn't working because you start picking at stuff that like wouldn't bother you if the movie was better. Like the big climax of this movie is, you know, Frankenstein kills like this doctor, and uh, they decide to take the doctor's brain to like put it in Frankenstein and make him good. <laughs> same same kind of idea as Son of Dracula, and then. Uh oh, it gets switched out with Igor's brain. And so they put the brain in the Frankenstein, and then like Frankenstein starts talking like Igor. I, I, I don't know that that makes any sense. Uh, no. Like it's like, like it's Lugosi's voice, like dubbed over <laughs> Cheney moving his lips. And I just like that, that in a better movie, that would be so absurd that it'd be really cool and almost dramatic. But here I'm just like, what? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I just didn't feel, I wasn't super engaged with it. It's not bad. It's not like a terrible movie, but it's just, I think we've reached a point where it may be time to um, put Frankenstein to rest for a little while. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It's not a, the train wreck I was fearing it would be, but I can't say I really liked it. Um, I do think Molden's right. There are some really good performances in this movie. Lon Chaney was solid as the monster. I do think uh, Cedric Hardwick kind of held this movie afloat on his back a little bit. Um, uh-huh. Bella Gilsey was good, but I, I'm starting to get a little tired of Igor. You know, no, he was, he was so engaging and so good in Son of Frankenstein, he should have stayed dead. Agreed. I mean, yeah, and and like, I, and I get it. You want to lean into what people found popular and people really <laughs> like Igor. So I, I, do, I do get that and why they wanted to do that. 
but I don't know. I just it, think it's a little much. It was a little much. He's almost like front and center here, and people. I mean, I people. I don't know if people do anything, but um, it's easy to forget that he really is like a supporting role in uh, the Son of Frankenstein, which I think is what makes it so. Uh, engaging, but here I feel like Igor. I, I don't know how literally true this is, but it feels like he's like in every scene. That's yeah. not that's not literally true, but it's just it's not. Like it. it does, and also like okay, I can I can kind of get behind like the monster being this indestructible force, even if he wants to die. That that would actually be an avenue I would have found more interesting for these sequels than what they went with. Like after Bride mm-hmm. of Frankenstein, he wants to die but can't. Sure. They oh, that's such, there, a, that's, such a, that's such a good idea. Um, but Igor being indestructible is not an idea I can give behind. No. You know, he gets shot several times and like, okay, like, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief a lot for these movies, a lot. But like, why are they surprised he's alive? No one, like, they just saw a dead body there and they're like, eh, we're just going to leave it. He's dead, I'm sure of it. Like, right. no one thought to like bury him or burn his you know like, like they right. left a dead human body there that doesn't make any sense and it, so they should have known he was alive like it was such a weird like intro like <laughs> oh but igor said he was shot by wolf on frankenstein igor is difficult to kill like no one checked yeah well and also because they, they talk there's, there's sort of these implicate not implications it's basically well the son of Frankenstein, there's a whole thread. We don't really talk about this, but like they tried to like hang Igor and like he just kind of survived it. <laughs> Which I'm okay with that. Yeah. That added a lot of color to the character. I agree. That was like, cool. It adds motivation too. It's like, because this right. whole thing is like, I'm going to get revenge against you, you assholes who tried to kill me. And uh, so they kind of allude to the idea that like he's difficult to kill or like maybe he's indestructible. But like given that, and this movie picks up like immediately after Son of Frankenstein, it's like you could watch these right back to back and it feels like kind of one movie to some degree um and yeah i think you're right i think you would think after the experience of trying to like execute him and him surviving you think they would just like light a match and like burn his body or something just to kind of <laughs> remove all doubt but uh they don't do that because i guess they need him to be in this movie and that, that's that's kind of all there is to it they want lugosi back so he's or alive. even like but like this is part of the problem even like going like uh is i thought igor was dead frankenstein said he shot him we couldn't find the body. Sure. Right? You don't even, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And that's it, creepy just, too, you know? Yeah, that's, that's kind of creepy. And so that's just kind of, the, 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 the problem is the script. And, and I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, there, were, there were interesting ways they could have taken it. They spent the whole movie building up with the brain switching thing when that's the most interesting part of the movie. And we get it for two seconds, and then it's over. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Sorry, I realized, um, I have to amend what I said. Karloff was was going to come back for this, but he had a scheduling conflict for a movie that I think is better anyway, uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. I think he made a good call oh. there. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely did. That's ten times the movie Ghost of Frankenstein is. Um, not to kind of get us off track, I just realized Ghost of Frankenstein, that's probably referring to the literal ghost of Dr. Frankenstein from oh, the first movie, yeah. right? Is that, is that, is yeah, that no, about? that's a good point. I don't I mean, think it's, that's it's not the same guy, scene. but yeah. That's a very small scene to uh, focus on, but yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, it just dawned on me. Sorry, you were you were making this beautiful point, and I, I derailed you <laughs> twice. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, 
Um, continue. I'm sorry. Or or were you done? <laughs> I think I was done. I was done. Yeah, I feel like the potential of this movie kind of gets sidelined. And there are some interesting things here and there. Like, mm-hmm. I, I thought the relationship, the dynamic, I should say, relationship implies something more sinister. But, like, the dynamic between the monster and the little girl in this movie, I thought was interesting. I think um, kind of takes on extra meaning considering what happened the last time he met a little girl in the first Frankenstein. Um, I think that was, there's kind of a beauty to that. Like, now he's, they're kind of like friends and, like, She's kind of like standing up for him while they're trying to like. <laughs> there is I agree. A, there is a scene where like, they're like he's like Frankenstein monster is like on trial, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was there was a part here like when he went and like tried to get the ball for the little girl and picked her up and brought her to the roof. I'm like, okay, this movie just got off to a rough start, but now it's good. Like that sequence was really tense and interesting because you don't know what he's and, gonna do, and you don't know what he's gonna do exactly. But unfortunately, I don't think the movie. It didn't keep me that engaged for the, for the I, remainder of it. I agree. Well, part of it is that they spend most of the time talking about stuff that Son of Frankenstein already did. This idea of like let's put a let's put a good brain in him. Like this is all they did all this already. Well, they didn't actually do it. They just talked about it. And, right, but but, but guess, again, they spent a bunch of time sense. talking about it like they did in Son of Frankenstein. The old, they could have been they could have cut to the chase a little bit faster. Right. It does feel, it's funny, this movie is 67 minutes long. To some degree, it felt a little longer than the 99 minutes of Son of Frankenstein, which is it did. odd. And that well, because, well, because Son of Frankenstein was so engaging. Like, Battle of Rathbone's Wolf on Frankenstein was so engaging, and the conflict between him and the inspector was so interesting. Like, here, the inspector, you have kind of an interesting angle, like, interesting idea where the inspector's in love with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And they, that was kind of interesting, but it's not... The character was boring, and so I wasn't engaged in that. They like they didn't. You didn't get a good sense of the conflict until the very end. I just, yeah, uh, felt like they. There's a lot left on the table. It could have, yeah. It didn't have to be. And it's not a disaster, but it didn't have to be this mediocre. Um, and it kind of felt. It's funny because like three years passed between this and the last movie, but this feels for all the world like they just like cranked out another one. So that's not that's not good either. Because um, after three years, you think they would like have something good. But I also realized they didn't really formally announce this until November of 1941. And as you recall, this came out March of 1942. That's not a lot of lead time. And I know that that is not. So maybe it was just rushed. It's possible. That's too bad. It is too bad. I know that movies didn't, like, they weren't, like, these massive, I mean, it's all relative, right? But, like, I don't know how usual it would be unless you're making, like, some sort of historical epic to spend months on a movie. Like, a 28-day shoot feels right for a movie of this scale, but you kind of just hope, because they didn't start producing this thing until almost, like, Christmas of 1941. Right. That doesn't feel like a lot of time. I don't know how usual that is, but I just think in this case... I don't know. The inspiration was like not. It just wasn't there, um, and that's too bad. Because again, this is to me, and it's not like, not like a crazy opinion they have, but the Frankenstein line is like the crown jewel of these movies, of these of this franchise, right? Of the, of the Universal movies. Yeah, and so you know, it, it's probably only a matter of time before we hit like kind of a. One that isn't very good, but it still hurts nonetheless. Um, I kept well, hoping, I think, like, maybe this one will be good. You don't know. I'm gonna, I don't know. I, th- a chance. I, I think part of what, what, what's frustrating about it is I feel like the first three 
a lot of care was put into them. Like they, Son of Frankenstein wasn't working, so they stopped the shoot to fix the problems with the script and kept going. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know that before you told me that, but that's it makes sense. Like that's the level of thought and care that was put into that movie. This doesn't feel like it has that. And so like you have some, I think actors who are, who are really talented in this movie and we've seen most of them before, like pretty much this entire cast was from previous movies. You had Cedric Hardwick who was in, um, mm-hmm. was in uh, Invisible, uh, Man, Invisible Returns. Man Returns. Yep. You, you had Lon Chaney Jr. who's been in a bunch. They loved him. In, we loved him in Wolfman. I guess they did too because they just, yeah, this is, this is like three or four years in a row. He's been in a Universal movie now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have well, Bella Lugosi. You know, obviously mm-hmm. we talk about uh, him a lot. Lionel Atwell comes back. I mean, uh, Lionel Atwell, not yeah. not not as the inspector character, not as the like inspector, the doctor. He's kind of an important yeah, in a very different role. Um, so it's interesting. He's in both of these movies, and one of the roles was a lot better than the other one. But he was good in both movies. Yeah. Yeah, the the, yeah, the, the, uh, the rival doctor wasn't that interesting. <laughs> well, you did, it should have been, but it wasn't. It should have been, but it wasn't. And it's because, like, okay, he's ambitious. And and you're thinking about using us as a way to get back at Frankenstein. Okay, I'll buy that. He's going to take Igor's advice and put Igor's brain in the body. No, I don't buy that. No, me neither. You know, I didn't, and so I didn't believe it. Um, and Owl does his best to sell it, but it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, it's just, Evelyn it's a... Anchor. This is our third time seeing her. Oh, okay. She was in. The, she was a love interest in the Invisible Man Returns. She was the sister and son of Dracula. Oh, which came out after this, but still, sister and son of Dracula, and here she is in this movie in a pretty prominent role, love interest of the Inspector. Yeah. Oh, she's also in the Wolfman. Is that what you said? You might have. Oh said no, that. I didn't say Wolfman, but I meant Wolfman. What did I say? I said uh, Invisible Man Returns. Returns yeah. Was she in Invisible Man Returns as well? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know. think so. I think I got the two movies confused. That's okay. She was in, yeah, I she's a Wolfman opposite Lon Chaney. Yep. She was in um, <clears throat> Son of Dracula against Lon Chaney. <laughs> Again, uh, also with Lon Chaney, and she's in this. And so. Um, <clears throat> she's in the next Invisible Man. She's in Invisible Man's Revenge. Oh, maybe that's what I saw. Okay, so we're <laughs> gonna, gonna click, see her I'm gonna, again. I'm gonna click on that. Maybe he is. Maybe that is Lon Chaney. I'm gonna laugh if it is. It's not. Okay. Oh, no, damn. Okay. I know that would have been great. <laughs> but she's been. She and Lon Chaney have been in every other movie together. So like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, that is uh, significant, I think. And so, I don't know. This this feels like. Lazy by Universal. Not that any of these actors are bad, because they were all really good in this movie, I thought. I thought they all did their best to really sell this performance. Mm-hmm. But it, just, it just felt like Universal was like, oh, we got to make a monster movie. Let's just put everyone we already have put in a monster movie. Go. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, it's funny, because we keep talking about how, like, Lon Chaney just kind of becomes, like, this utility player. And uh, I actually thought, again, we talked about, I, I, think, I think he's good here. I think considering... What he's up against, which is you know the icon, the iconic role of Frankenstein by Boris Karloff, he handles himself well here. But there is sort of like this laziness of just like putting him in like whatever. Um, it doesn't, and we've seen it like not really work out. We thought his Dracula was pretty poor, and his mummy well, was like before just before okay. that Dracula, right? This yes, you're right. Dracula. You're right. So, um, so maybe this is like what solidified like oh we'll just put him in anything because like if he yeah. did this Wolfman and uh, this um, 
uh, I like I like him quite a bit in these. So maybe that's. Mm-hmm. But there's sort of a laziness of just going like, well, we'll just kind of we have yeah, you're right. We have all these stars. Let's just put them in stuff, and like we don't have to worry about it. And it's like, but you should worry about it a little bit. One of the things about the first two Frankenstein's especially is like it was impeccably cast. Everyone was perfect. The guy who played Doctor even the third Frankenstein I thought was impeccably cast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they you know Bella Lugosi as Igor was inspired of, of yes. a choice. Um, Basil Rathbone normally mm-hmm. playing a villain, they give him a chance to play this lead, but this really dark lead is the perfect casting choice i thought and Completely so agree. even the casting i mean the i feel like i shouldn't be criticized because the, the cast works but it just doesn't feel like i said it doesn't feel inspired it just feels like here this throw the usual in. and that's the thing because like, i think like the first three frankenstein movies are going for things that are a little counterintuitive i know that we didn't really like the uh well, you didn't. You weren't like super fond of like all the like little like king and queen stuff and Friday. I wasn't, but it it stuck with me. I remember it. Yeah, and like Frankenstein itself. I think the, the first movie has like a lot of like all these dark elements and like stuff that like I think in 1931 was probably a little hairy. Like, yeah, here's our title monster, and he's gonna kill a girl <laughs> um, by accident, but still, like that's a really dark place to go. Yeah. Um. And yeah, this just this didn't have. It lacks ambition. I think that's what it is. It completely lacks ambition. And that's a shame because this is an ambitious mm-hmm. series up to this point. So it's a little disappointing to kind of see them just go through the motions. Yeah. And just like, oh, let's give him a new brain. Oh, let's like, make Igor the main character because people love him. Uh, yeah. Um, and something I'll say, I, I like, as I said, I think Cedric Hardwick did a really great job in this movie because he, he's given a difficult task in this movie, but he holds it together, I think. And I think you're right. Lon Chaney brings a lot of empathy to the his monster portrayal, which is especially difficult given his monster is supposed to be brain damaged. Right. And yeah, because, you know, his mummy was like, OK, but like the thing that we liked about Wolfman was that he has like, this everyman quality. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that wasn't something that you can really communicate when like you're wrapped in bandages. I wondered if that was also like not really going to pay off as Frankenstein. I wouldn't say this is like an everyman Frankenstein. That's a silly thing to say. But I think there is like that empathy that he has like in his eyes that really, really comes through here. So I think in that sense, maybe not inspired casting, but it was a good choice if you couldn't get Karloff back. <laughs> yeah, and I don't mind him them casting him as a monster, which is kind of like everything else. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think as a result of that lack of ambition, there's kind of less to talk about. I I, I, I feel us reaching for things to <laughs> discuss because it's not even like a noble failure. It just kind of it just kind of sits there. I agree. And um, that's too bad. So I don't know if um, <laughs> this is where I asked. Do you have other notes regarding Ghost of Frankenstein? Here, let's see. Um. I don't know that I do. This is, this is one of the few movies, I think, where the mob wins. Like, yes. The, the, the people burn the house down, don't they? they burn the house down. They burn Frankenstein down, so we'll never see him again. He's clearly dead this time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They're never going to they're they're <laughs> bring him back up. Yeah, you can't. I mean, they showed his body saw. burning. Yeah. yeah, so this is it. This is the end of the line. Um, yep, this is the final one. <laughs> I so thought, there's that. Yeah, I thought the ending was a little flat too, like the, that shot of uh, Elsa well, and, and like and like 
Frankenstein kind of walking, not the monster, but the doctor kind of walking off into the sunrise. It's just a little like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. And that, well, it reminded me of Son of Frankenstein, right? So mm-hmm. again, you, it's uninspired. It's kind of going with obvious choices. I did like Frankenstein. Everyone had an idea about what brain they wanted in this monster, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Frankenstein wanted his friend who was killed by the monster, which sometimes, which felt a little out of character. I don't know. Like, I, I never really felt like the Frankenstein monster. I know he would do things in rage. But I never felt like he was just like a fucking murderer. I agree. And I, yeah, no, I'm with you. Cause like a lot of it is just like him trying to figure. I mean, again, the, the, the tragedy of Frankenstein is like he didn't ask to be born. Like, and people keep fucking like resurrecting him. And so he has to, he's just kind of trying to figure everything out and paying for it. Um, He's not really like, I'm just going to go out and like kill people. Even when he does, he's kind of under command. Like Igor has him kill people. <laughs> um, right. And I don't, I didn't remember seeing Igor command him to kill the scientist. So it felt a little out of character that maybe if the scientist attacked him, then I'd buy it. Yeah. Or like, but like, like, a, like bust out a torch and like he freaked out by the fire. Or yeah. Something. yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then that's, that feels in character. But like, I don't know. So that's, that's one criticism. But everyone has his idea. Igor wants to be in the Frankenstein body, and he's able to convince that other scientist. Uh, but Frankenstein, the monster, also has an opinion about who should be in his head, which I thought was kind of interesting. He wants a little girl. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Like, they allowed him to be, you know, present enough, even though like, he clearly didn't completely get what was going on. Present mm-hmm. enough to know, like, they're putting someone in his head, and he chose his favorite person in the world at the time, which was that little girl. Yeah, I think that's, I think, that, I think all that stuff really works. And, um, I kind of wanted more of that kind of movie. Um, I agree. We just, they just wouldn't, they wouldn't go there. And, um, it's too bad. So, uh, I don't really know where the franchise goes from here. Well, we know um, what the next movie is. Right, because we're talking about it next week, right? Yeah, we're talking about it next week. So I guess we'll I guess we'll see what happens when we get to the uh, fifth cool. Um, you know, not always the worst. I mean, Fast and Furious didn't really get going until its fifth entry. So, you know, we'll see what <laughs> happens here. Um, Mission Impossible 5 is a great movie. So, uh, you know, uh, maybe it'll end up being really good. No idea. Maybe, yeah. Um, um, but yeah. yeah, well, here, let's talk about it because... Of course, the whole idea was for this sequel series, we would take all the franchises from the Essentials. We did Essentials last year. I don't think we talked about this at the top of the show. We did all the Essentials last year. So the Bella Lugosi Dracula, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, both were considered essential. Boris Karloff's Mummy, um, The Wolfman, Lon Chaney Jr., Fan of the Opera, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and the original Claude, Claude Rains, Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. And then most of those had sequels. The only one that didn't was Phantom of the Opera. Which makes sense. Yeah, which makes sense. And so we were like, okay, we'll just do the next two in each in each franchise. You know, there's only three creatures in the back lagoon, so we finished that off. We did the next two Invisible Men, or Invisible Men and Women, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We did the next two Mummies. We didn't, you know... Now we've next done next year Dracula. So we've also finished off the Dracula series. I think he pops up in other movies, but I don't think he has like yeah. moved to himself anymore. Um, <clears throat> we did the next two Frankenstein, which is three and four, but there's only one direct follow-up to the Wolfman. Which yeah, although I do think there is a um, Adam and Costello meets 
the Wolfman, right? I but yeah, yeah. They I'm not sure if that they, counts. They, uh, I wouldn't. That's like saying yeah, it's baseball is like a Star Wars movie or something, right? <clears throat> yeah. And so that kind of left us with a kind of weird position, and it's Wolfman meets Frankenstein, which luckily that kind of lined up nicely for us because then that's the next Frankenstein appearance in our in our Universal watch through. Mm-hmm. But um, the problem the, the problem is that leaves us with an extra movie for next week. We want to do a double feature, right? And we 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 don't have so that left us with kind of a weird like, what do we do with that extra movie? Do we just do another like Frankenstein? Maybe do we do another like the next sequel up? But we decided to go a different direction. Just make next week werewolf scene. Yeah, and so, so we're going to do the. Yeah, let me let me double check the year before I say this. I think it's thirty five. I think. I hope I'm right. That'd be cool. Okay, nineteen thirty five. You're right. Okay, yeah, yeah, baby. We are going to do the nineteen thirty five Werewolf of London standalone werewolf movie. It is a Universal monster movie, so this is part of the official. If you want to have an official part of the official Universal Monster canon that they've come up with, like this is what Universal has said is their monster movies. It predates mm-hmm. the Wolfman. I believe it was remade in the seventies to a movie that I personally love called Werewolf of London. Right. Uh, right. 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 Uh, no, an American Werewolf in London. That's it. it. Inspired an American Werewolf in London. That's right. Of course, you also have the Warren Zevon song. Werewolf Absolutely. Absolutely. three-year-old daughter actually loves, which I think is kind of funny. It's a great song. It's a great song. Uh, and she'll sing in and howl up the moon. Oh, um, that's lovely. We will not be doing She-Wolf of London next week, which no. is not supposed to be a sequel to this movie, despite the similar title. Uh, I did look into that, and as far as I can tell, they're not related, other than they're both Universal monster movies. Gotcha. All right, yeah. So next week we're gonna do Frankenstein beats Wolfman and Werewolves of London. Werewolf of London. That was yeah. maybe a little too long <laughs> explanation. No, no, I think that's perfect because there's a lot. I don't know. It it all gets kind of confusing because um, you know, funnily enough, uh, we have a new. Frankenstein in this because Lon Chaney Jr. of course is going to be playing the Wolfman but Bella Lugosi will be getting a shot at the uh, monsters we can kind of compare and contrast that. oh what Bella Lugosi yeah that's nuts okay yeah. I didn't know that so that'd be kind of a fun way to go out on this mm-hmm. um so yeah that's all next week uh it'll be a full moon next week so that's perfect um oh nice no, I mean, probably. I don't know. Oh, I have no idea. I hope. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I haven't looked. Um, we should probably rate Ghost of Frankenstein and then we get, should. We should shuffle off the buffalo, as they say. Uh, why, why don't you go first on this one? I'm going to give it six. Uh, six brains of Igor out of ten. Yeah, that's about where I landed. Six. It's about, it's like two. It's two brains of Igor. Worse than uh, <laughs> uh, Son of Frankenstein. So yeah, we're in agreement there. Six. Six out of ten. Not bad, but it just leaves you wanting more. And that's a, that's a new thing for the Frankenstein series. Yep. Um, so yeah, next week we got uh, it's Werewolf Week. And then um, 
we'll have one more kind of finale episode. Uh, we'll be doing getting out some awards and stuff that should be going up on Halloween night. So stay tuned for that. Uh, if you want to listen to our back episodes, uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, we have, besides our Universal Monster stuff, we've been going through classic Doctor Who. We're in a, we're firmly in the uh, Patrick Troughton era, so I'm looking forward to picking that back up. Uh, as well as our tribute to the uh, superhero film genre. We're smack dab in the middle of the 90s. We'll be picking that up as soon as the calendar turns from uh, October to November. We'll be picking back up with a pretty big one. Batman and Robin. Uh, looms large so to keep up with us you can follow us on our uh, on our instagram at pop culture historians podcast you can follow us on twitter slash x slash whatever at pc historians you can also follow us on our website pop culture historians podcast.wordpress.com uh no life lessons or death lessons so uh instead i'll just <laughs> say uh have a have a spooky week everyone and um don't howl at the moon too much <laughs> Good idea. Yeah, good, yeah. good advice. Yeah. yeah, it freaks people out. Um, <laughs> all right, Wolf, Werewolf of London, and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman next week. Catch you all then. Until then, good night.